you know, I have no regrets. You know, obviously I love the game. I love what, you know, the game gave me personally. I got to travel around the world. You know, I got to play against some of the, you know, the greatest players and players that you see on TV now today playing the postseason, like Adley Rutschman. Welcome to episode 248 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. We hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving long weekend. It was certainly a busy one with lots of different events going on along with the MLB playoffs. So let's get right to some of the headlines. Congratulations to ATHX performance out of Edmonton on winning the Harvest Classic hosted by Weber Academy. An unexpected bonus for those taking part in the tournament was Atlanta Braves hurler Michael Soroka and Weber program head Chris Ritzma taking some time to speak with the teams, which is great to see and here. A tip of the cap as well to the YQL Sluggers out of Lethbridge on winning the 15U AA Championship at the Best of the West Turkey Classic in Kamloops. Speaking of that prestigious Best of the West tournament, a belated tip of the cap to AHP Academy on punching their ticket to the May Showcase next year after a big win back on October 1st. And while they haven't been tournaments, quite a few teams have been playing fall ball over the last few weeks, including the Canadian College Baseball Conference teams like the University of Calgary Dinos, Edmonton Collegiate Hawks, and Prairie Baseball Academy Dogs. The Dogs Academy out of Okotoks and AHP Academy programs have also been touring around a few familiar U.S. college programs. As always, if your team is taking part in events here or elsewhere, make sure to tag us in your social media posts so we can share them with our audiences. Before we get to our guests this week, we do want to send our love and condolences to the families and loved ones of two people with baseball connections who have passed away in recent weeks. Glendon's Perry Lychak was a five-year member of the Toronto Blue Jays farm team and represented Canada at the 1981 Intercontinental Cup in Edmonton, where he had a memorable performance against Cuba. Canadian Baseball Network's Bob Elliott had a great piece on Lychak recently after he passed away on September 20th. And after a courageous and public battle with ALS, otherwise known as Lou Gehrig's disease, Chris Snow passed away September 30th. Snow, his wife Kelsey, and their two kids became inspirational figures for their strength, courage, and resilience during that fight. While their journey is mostly focused on Snow's hockey past, it also has a lot of baseball connections, which our Ian Wilson wrote about in the newest story, which you can find at albertadugoutstories.com. On to this week's guests, and one of the athletes who has garnered a lot of attention lately is Leo Cote. Originally from Quebec, he came to Dogs Academy to take his game to the next level, and boy, has he certainly achieved that. He took part in the recent Canadian Future Showcase, was named Canada's Junior National Team, and seems to always be in the highlights for the Bandito Scout Team at the Perfect Game World Wood Bat Championships in Jupiter, Florida. In between flights, the six-foot-two, 207-pound, 17-year-old took some time to chat about his baseball journey with us. Leo, welcome, and thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Oh, for sure. Thanks for having me. Fresh off an appearance at the Perfect Game World Wood Bat Championship in Florida. How did things go there from your perspective? Uh, you know, it went pretty well. Uh, got off to a slow start. Uh, I had a pretty rough couple first games, but um, really took off uh, the second half, and me and my team got to make it to the round of 16, which is pretty big when you think about there's only 106 teams that make it to the tournament and get accepted so it was a good tournament for me and for my team and basically for everyone around me so everywhere I turned it seemed as though your performance at the plate was turning heads as you mentioned especially in the latter half of that tournament what started working for you what adjustments did you make to to make sure that you uh, did leave the tournament on the right foot yeah you know the biggest key for me everywhere I go and every coach that has coached me is can you make adjustments uh, 
easily. Like, does it take you one game or does it take you one month? You know? Mm. So for me to be able to listen to my coach and realize that having a long swing and the big, like uh, the big step and everything, you, you just need to keep everything simple. So simpling my, my swing and making sure everything is, is easier than, than it is. Mm-hmm. So did you find yourself during that tournament in the first couple of games anyways, maybe swinging a little too hard, maybe going for the fences a little bit, or was it just a matter of like, hey, let's make some contact and then build off of that kind of thing? Yeah, you know, growing up, I I, I was a big power hitter, so I thought that the harder you swing, the harder you hit the ball, but you just got to trust yourself. So, yeah, I did find myself in the first couple of games uh, trying to kind of trying to swing for the fences, like you said, but, um, yeah, it's, it's easier when you just stay up the middle and let the ball travel, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you certainly did that and you did that as well. You're fresh off the Canadian future showcase in Toronto as well. What was that experience like for you? Um, Canadian future showcase was kind of like, uh, it was a big tournament for me. It was kind of like my, well, my last year kind of showing in front of Canada, right. As a 2024, you know, you, all those tournaments kind of come to an end after this, you know, college gets serious. And then, you know, it's, it's the last time you get to play in front of your parents for a whole week. You know, when you get to college, it's, it's different. And as someone who's moved away, uh, it's, it's fun to always kind of play in Canada and get to showcase, uh, the tournament wise, it went pretty well. Uh, it was a big, big showcase for me as I was trying to get myself a spot on, the junior national team and you know it worked well for me worked out well. well obviously you did get named that we'll chat about that in a second but I wanted to go back to that tournament um I know last year was in Ottawa this year being in the in the big stadium like uh Rogers Center in Toronto was that a bit of a starstruck moment for you at all I mean you're you're from out east quote unquote I'm being from Quebec but was that a place that you grew up watching and wanting to play in at any point did you have to soak in the moment a little bit to say hey I'm in an MLB ballpark and I get to call this place home for a few days yeah you know it's it's definitely a blessing you know you you grow up thinking about wow Josh Donaldson and all those guys and now you get to just step on the field and it's it's an eye-opening for sure I mean it's it's just like any other field but it's it's bigger than just that for me as my younger self would, if my younger self was there, it'd be like, Oh my God, Leo, you're, you're playing on the biggest field in Canada and you get to showcase in front of plenty of scouts and plenty of schools and everything. So it's, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. As mentioned, that, was a springboard for you to get to the junior national team. You're taking part in the upcoming Dominican fall league, which starts in just a couple of days here. What did it mean to you first off to get that recognition and see your name on that roster? Uh, you know, it was, it was honestly, you, normally when I'm heading to a tournament or to a baseball event, I, I kind of visualize myself being there and I, I see it. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to wear this uniform. It's going to be awesome. You know, you kind of have expectations for yourself, but seriously, since I've had the call, I've not been able to kind of realize what it is. I feel like once I get there, it'll be a, it'll be the moment that will kind of like tell me, Oh my God, you're actually like on the junior national team and you get to wear the leaf and Canada across your chest. So, you know, I haven't really thought about that, but it's, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. 
What excites you most about that opportunity, especially to be thought of as one of the best young talents in Canada? Uh, you know, I feel like it's it's one of those things where you you get to kind of showcase that you actually like not only you get the recognition, but you can prove that you've been this good and that you are good enough for it. So I think what it means to me for for getting the call up is kind of just like, you know, I worked so hard for so many years. I mean, it's my eighth year in baseball, which isn't that much for, for, for an athlete, but it's, it's, um, it's definitely eight, eight years that I put all the, the work in and now it pays off, you know? So mm-hmm. let's get into that a little bit here. Uh, born and raised in Quebec and who got you into baseball in the first place? Do you remember that moment when you first stepped out into a ball field and said, Oh, this is kind of cool. Yeah, it was, uh, it's pretty, uh, weird, weird how I got in. So I used to be a big, uh, BMX racer. So BMX like racing, mm-hmm. I did that for most of my like younger life. And then after that, um, I came to my parents and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of done facing and racing against the same people every weekend. So I'd like to kind of like get a little bit of change. So what, what do you think about me starting to play baseball? And my mom was like, sure, you can go play baseball with your friends. And I was like, yeah, exactly. I want to play with friends and everything. And uh, I got to the tryouts and none of my friends made the team and I made it. So that's when I kind of realized that maybe maybe it's a gift for me. And I got to meet all my new friends, uh, all those Leo Griffins, the Griffin family, you know, the uh, Will, Will Labonte. I think you had him on mm-hmm. the podcast last week. He's I've known him for a while now. So you get to meet so many people and then look where we are all together in Okotoks, Alberta. Very cool. Let's get into that. How did it come to be that you ended up going from Quebec and traveling all across the country to get to uh, Okotoks? Um, so my best friend, Leo Griffin, uh, his his brother came with us. Uh, I don't know if you remember Simon, Simone mm-hmm. uh, Lusignan and Nicholas Fortin and all those guys. They right. all came, uh, the, the three of them together. Leo, Leo decided to head out west and I was like, oh, I'd like to kind of follow it and so um i got invited to go and try out kind of like a camp kind of thing and uh visit the place and i mean i got there i threw a bullpen i hit and i fielded some ground balls and then after that they were super interested and me and my family kind of decided it's it's the best to find myself a scholarship in the u.s and everything so i decided to head out west and you know you fall in love with with the life in Alberta, right? Like you, the big field and all the, all the $25 million facilities and the indoors and everything. You don't see that in Canada, in in Quebec and let alone almost in all of Canada a lot, you know? Mm. Was it difficult at all to make that transition? I mean, moving away from home is one thing when you're doing it a couple hours away. I know I did it for college, for example, and it, it felt like a million miles away. I can't imagine being saying, let's, go across the country and, and chase this dream. Yeah. I mean, it's a different thing. And you know, when, when you're 15 years old to, to move away and your parents let you go, you're like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? I don't know how to cook. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. You know, it's, it's like, I'm going to like 
make my bed in the morning and realize that my mom's not there to do anything else. So I kind of had to realize that, you know, it's, it's a lesson to me and it's honestly the best thing that could have happened to me when I look back now, because once I head to college, my mom won't be there either. So I feel like it's kind of almost a, I don't know. I feel like it's an easier path for me to get to college than some other kids that will have to actually learn how to cook and how to do those things. So to be alone, it's, it's hard, you know, you, you don't have, it's different. It's different with a billet family than with a actual, like your mom and your dad, but Mm -hmm. you know, you, you get to get used to the real life and that my mom won't be there all my life. Looking back on it, I mean, you're still in the midst of it, obviously, for the next few months here. But what has that program meant to you and been able to uh, not only just as a, a ball player, but also as a human being? You know, when I came and visit visited, um, the first thing they told me was here. It's a it's like a family, you know, we're we're trying to get you to the next level, but we're also trying to get you to to be a good man and a good husband and whatever in your future. And that's what really got my my attention to this program is I, I realized that looking back now, they actually did more to help me in my actual normal life than with necessarily baseball. You know, they've done tremendous things baseball wise. Like they got me a college. They got me. I mean, they changed my swing. They made me a better player. They made me better defensively, better anywhere. But seriously, like, I'm, I'm like a new man. I, I, I came here as like a childish little, I mean, I was a 15 year old, like any other 15 year old, you, you don't expect much out of them, but they really changed me. And my, like my dad said two days ago, he was like, you're as mature at 17 as I was at 22. So it's, it's, they really helped me uh, become a man and it's, it's family for life, you know, that, quote from your dad's got to mean uh, the absolute world that's pretty cool so now all of a sudden you're getting yourself ready for graduation 2024 and then you head off to college as mentioned Oregon State is your destination first off what drew you to that program um you know Oak Dukes and uh Oregon State are like very close they have a very good connection so when I got to the program I saw all those guys going there, like Micah. Uh, I saw Gavin going there. I saw Connor Pote going there. I saw, I mean, so on and so on. And when when I got to do my my visit there and I had a camp, you know, I, I realized that they're really driven with the same ideas as Okotoks, the family side of things, and really help each other become good men and good husbands. So it's it's an awesome it's an awesome place, and I, I fell in love with campus, too. Oregon is beautiful. The weather, I mean, it's kind of like a, I see it as kind of like a Vancouver, but it's it's way smaller, but it's, it's an awesome place to be. Mm-hmm. Probably doesn't hurt as well, knowing that they are a perennial powerhouse, too. Like, they are constantly in the running for the, the College World Series, for example. How... How uh, excited are you for that opportunity to uh, to be at a, at a big school program like that? Yeah, I mean, um, getting to play them this year, you realize that you're you're going to a pretty big school, and the players there. I mean, Travis Bazana and those Trent Caraway, Gavin Turley, and all those guys that come out of this program. It's it's kind of 
I mean, I don't realize it yet, but I think it's, it means business, you know, you're, you're not going there to, to, you know, like joke around and have fun. It's, you're going there for business. And once you step on campus, it's, it's a whole different ball game. You're going there to win a national championship and prove that you can help a program make it back. Cause you know, it's going to Oregon state. It's they've won three times in the new era and to bring them back would be the biggest thing, you know, bring them back to this world series caliber and national championship too. Mm -hmm. Let's put on your scout hat for a minute here and evaluate yourself a little bit and see what your potential is. Do you see it? Where do you see yourself maybe getting to in terms of, you know, the hierarchy of baseball? Do you see yourself going pro? Do you see yourself in MLB? What do you think is your ceiling? Um, to be honest, I don't, I don't have any expectations for myself. I, I'd rather just go, go year by year. And, you know, baseball is kind of a risky sport in the way that anytime anything could happen, you know, your, your arm could have issues and anything could happen. Um, but I do after this week in the States, you know, you realize that I just played the best high school players in all of the United States. And I actually showed out like, the best I could have ever and it's comes out as you're actually one of the good players and like all of this tournament so just to realize that I actually might have a shot at it it's I definitely see myself uh making a run for it definitely couple more for you before we let you go uh, a lot of kids right now getting their first you know taste of of the academy experience or getting that first taste of baseball and maybe looking at you and saying I want to end up in his shoes one day. Looking back on it with 2020 hindsight through your own personal journey, what kind of advice or words of wisdom would you impart on those young kids just starting out on their journeys? Uh, you know, the biggest advice is keep your head up. Keep your keep your head up. Just keep your shoulders straight. You, you hear it all the time, you know. Um, believing in yourself is the biggest key to anything in life and – um, just keep your head up. The, your coach is going to tell you something is wrong and he's going to change it all. And you have to realize that if you keep your head up and you believe in them, you'll actually do great. And I think that's what most of us in Okotoks kind of realize is that you just got to trust the process. And you hear that all the time as well. It's trust the process and good things will happen. So yeah, just keep your head up and you'll, you'll do good things. One of the things that I'm getting from our conversation is you very much try to live in the moment. Is that a, a fair representation of, of who you are as a, as a human being when it comes to playing the game of baseball? Yeah, it's, every aspect of my life is I live in the moment. I mean, my parents ask me, what are you going to do today? I'm like, whatever's coming my way. You know, it's, it's I, I can't tell you uh, for sure what I'm doing today, but I anything happens, everything happens for a reason. And I just live day by day and I live moment by moment and everything that comes is, is a blessing to me. So mm -hmm. looking back on this young journey to this point, and I know you've had a lot of highlights even this year, but you have any favorites, like moments where you just you stood there for a second and had to go, Whoa, I can't believe I'm getting to do this. Um, my biggest moment of like, I went, wow uh this is a tough one because there's so many you know you you grow up and i i could say so many things but definitely when you step on uh in the rogers center and you just my first game i played at shortstop i got the shortstop and 
I told the first baseman, wait a minute. And I just did a whole like 360 just to realize, oh my God, Leo, you're actually playing at Rogers Center right now. So it's, that would be a big wow moment. Or, I mean, there's a bunch of stories. I mean, facing Michael Yusuchuk in Bantams and now you look and you look back now and it's like, he's one of the best arms in the country. And it's, it's like, wow, we actually like, we make it here and everything. So it's so many things. I can only imagine. And the memories are just beginning, my friend. Final question for you. It's the one we ask everyone. What does the game of baseball mean to you? Uh, the game of baseball the game of baseball actually means pretty much everything to me. Um, I mean, I, I grew up around it. I, I, I didn't grow up around it, actually. I, I got myself into it, and, you know, it, it showed me so many good things. People kind of say that baseball's boring and baseball's this and that, but baseball will show you some – like going four for 10 is actually really good, which in any other sport going four for 10 is like <laughs> below average, you know? So four for 10, you're an all of famer and even three for 10, you're, you're an all-star. So, you know, it's, it's, it means to me what, like, I found kind of like love through it. You know, you, you fall in love with the game and you always hear those romantic stories about, oh, you, how can you not love baseball? And it's like, now it's like, how can I actually not love baseball? It's so, I don't know. It's, it's everything. It's, mm-hmm. I could get going for an hour and a half about it, but <laughs> we'll just stick to, I, I love the game and it means everything. We'll stay, we'll uh, aim for an hour and a half the next time we have you on Leo, man. Oh, man. It's been fantastic <laughs> right. getting a chance to know you and get a chance to uh, get to know your baseball journey here a little bit. Really appreciate the time. Congratulations on all the success you've had at this point. Continued success going forward in, uh, in the Dominican Fall League and beyond. And uh, thanks again for joining us here on the podcast. Yeah, sure. Thank you very much for having me. And I mean, I, I listen to the podcast every week, so you guys are doing great. Keep going. Next up is Sylvan Lake Gulls catcher and University of Mary veteran Ben Prediger. We first got to know him back in December 2018, a.k.a. Episode 5, when he was named the Baseball Alberta Midget AAA Player of the Year as a member of the Calgary Bucks. This summer, he hit 323 with 15 RBI in 26 games for the Gulls and is hoping to be an even bigger piece of the U Mary picture this coming spring. He's also become a bit of a social media machine, posting tons of content on Instagram about his workouts and more. So in between reps, we took some time to catch up. Ben, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. Back at the University of Mary, getting ready for your third season there. How are you feeling heading in? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling confident. I just had a, a really good season uh, last year for my junior year, and uh, I'm hoping to build off that. And after a, a good summer, too, with the goals, I'm I'm ready to get back to work. And uh team looks good this year. We're hoping to just – I mean, it's my senior year, so I'm, I'd love nothing more than just a conference championship win is kind of the, the goal at the end of the day. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, looking forward to it. Let's look back on this past year specifically, and we'll start in that spring. As you mentioned, 353, a homer, 13 RBI in 18 games. What do you feel you need to do to become an even bigger piece of the puzzle for 2024? Uh, I think hit for more, more pop, a little more extra base hits is kind of what I've really been working towards. You know, I think last year I was like a big get on base kind of guy, and that was my, my approach. Like, no matter what, because I was, I was hitting more in the bottom of the order, and I'm, I've always been a defense-first guy personally. Um, 
So, I mean, maybe a little bit more pop in the, in the bat would be good. Cause you know, I, I can't be clogging up the base pass with my, uh, my cement legs that I got going on, but you know, I think, uh, that's kind of more what I've been tailoring towards to this year, but I'll, ideally I'd love to keep that average on the same. And, um, getting on base has always been my goal. Like my, my favorite movie is Moneyball, and, and they say the way to score runs is to get on base. And I believe that firmly, you know, uh, if you're not getting on base, you're not given potential for your team to score runs. That's kind of something that I wholeheartedly live by. And I'm going to definitely keep that in approach, but, uh, Definitely try to cut the strikeouts down a little bit and uh, hit the ball a little harder and a little farther is kind of the goal this year. So walk us through a typical day in the life of someone going through the post-secondary um, walk, I guess, through heading into the spring. You're, are you playing fall ball games? Are you doing showcases? Are you focusing on training and strength? Like Walk us through that, that typical day in the fall season as you look forward to the spring. Yeah, I think it's uh it's kind of varied year by year depending on like where I was at personally. Um I'd say my first year back here at Mary, like my first year here which would have been 2020, 2021 if I'm correct on that timeline, but that was more I wanted to put on more strength and and gain more mass so like my and like develop personally. So that was kind of more of like our program. And like the great thing about Mary is it's a lot of player development focus, which is so nice to have. And like, don't get me wrong. We still focus on the team aspect and we are here to win and we are here to compete. But when we're in the off season, it's a lot of tailoring towards like what the individual needs. So then my, my first year was a lot of like put on math, put on strength as a, a young kid does. And then getting into my last year, junior year, it's it was more towards like moving faster and like getting into positions that I need to be and and it was more like competing in the box and like on defense and and uh, we do play scrimmages. We played NDSU, a D1 team this year, and we played them last year too. Scrimmage Minot State, our in-state rivals, as well as a, a junior college here, Bismarck State, um, which also holds a ton of Albertans too, mm-hmm. which I find so neat. But that's neither here nor there. Um, and then, yeah, it's, uh, we're going into fall ball right now. I know the NCAA gives you like 20 hour weeks is what it's called. So right now we're in our 20 hour weeks, which is like we team practice three times a week, two individual practices, and then two days off as well as weight training in between then. And it's right now for me, my focus is on just keeping my swing patterns the same as I was and still trying to maintain body weight that I'm at but as well gaining strength and gaining speed while um trying to like I said maintain that body weight because uh I find that once you get through this game more and more you kind of find where you need to be physically and like where you need to be mentally and I'm kind of a as much as I hate to say it I'm getting old so I'm, I'm kind of a veteran <laughs> now but I mean I I find that uh and now I know exactly where I need to be going into a season after having like a really good season, like I did last year and, and what I need to feel going into it. So yeah, a lot of it's just kind of tailoring towards my body and just like staying healthy is kind of the biggest one too. I'm not trying to do too much because like our, our coach always says, uh, you can't win a national championship in the fall, but you, you damn sure can lose one. So that's, that's kind of the goal is just trying to take it day by day and not doing too much, but not, doing too little if that makes sense Mm -hmm. i know you said that it's neither here nor there but at the same time it's got to be kind of cool i mean you mary's got its fair share of guys who've played either at vauxhall or up in okotoks or wherever the case may be you play against a lot of guys who've who 
travel familiar paths as well, especially when you think about the WCBL as an example. How cool is it to be able to see some familiar faces and be able to, you know, chat it up with some of those guys, uh, especially when things are a, a little bit slower in the fall? Yeah, I love it. I I think it's one of the coolest things like ever, and it's it's something that uh, my American teammates can't really grasp. I guess you could say because like baseball players from Canada playing collegiate baseball in the states is such a niche thing and such like a tight knit community. If that makes sense. So like, I played quite a few showcases with like. CLE or just a bunch of different teams going around and I ended up playing with like guys from different provinces too who I play with now like Josh Walker, Dylan Edmonds, guys like that and like playing against Haney and, and everyone in the, in the WCBL is it's so sweet because like they're some of my closest friends and then like you get to compete against each other and it's it's just uh, it's such a good atmosphere and like it's it's really I could say comforting I guess when you know people of like the same who have been through the same thing and are going through the same thing as you. I remember when I went to Duco my first year at Northeast Community College in Nebraska, and I was one of two Canadians there, and and there wasn't a lot of empathy you could say for the situation that I was in because no one really understood like you're so far away from home and you're so young doing this, but being surrounded by a bunch of guys who are in the same situation and who have done the same things as you. And like, you know, the same groups of people, like it's, there's like a comfort level to that. And it, it almost makes Bismarck feel like a second home for me. Mm -hmm. I know it's early, but do you, do you, what do you see when you look at this, uh, you marry team heading into the spring? Uh, I see a really good pitching staff and dudes who can swing it. That's, that's really what I see. I see that we, Definitely got some things that we got to work on, some like monotonous little details. But I think that we are putting ourselves in a very good chance to compete. And I, I firmly believe that the NSIC is one of the most competitive Division II baseball conferences in the nation. And and I say that with full confidence because like you go into a Saturday game and like game one starters rolling out like 93, 94, and then game two is not much easier, you know, and it, it's uh, – very competitive on a daily basis and and it's just baseball at the end of the day too like anyone could win any game you know we got a really big conference 14 teams so you got to stay locked in and it's really difficult to get through that schedule too being a northern team like we're playing on the road we play like a lot of our home games on the road too because like the snow and impeding weather and whatnot mm -hmm. and i find that we instill like a sense of grit in our program and like a sense of integrity within us where we have a chip on our shoulder being like, yeah, we are a Northern school, but we're going to come here and we're going to ball out, you know? And I feel like this year we have a really big group of seniors, like a big chunk of our starting lineup from last year is coming back this year too, with like the loss of a couple key players, but I think we filled those roles pretty well. And, uh, and I think that we are going to show up and we're going to compete and ideally turn some heads this year. You mentioned the summer and uh, a really solid summer with Sylvan Lake Gulls again. And aside from the playing side of it, I've taken a few Gulls games over the course of the season in various capacities. And one of the things that I took away from watching you specifically is you really seem to enjoy playing here at home. There's a there's a certain, I'll call it a vibe between you and the fan base in Sylvan Lake as an example how much pride do you put into that and be able, being able to sort of celebrate being one of the hometown quote unquote guys? Uh, it's, 
really big and it's really important for me. And I feel like it's deeper than just being hometown guy. Like my mom's from central Alberta. She's from Macomb and I got a lot of family and like a lot of family friends there. So I get like a lot of like people that I know and love and support from, from all those people. And, and also just like with the aspect of my parents too, like they've only seen me play maybe five college baseball games in my entire career. So for them to see me compete at the highest level is like such a big deal for me. But I think in terms of my relationship between me and the fans of Sylvan and the community that they have, I find it's really easy to come and show up and compete every day and like work my tail off as hard as I can, because it's just like the retrospection of like these people, they care about the program and it, and it stems from like the owners and like Graham and Jen and Akil and all the other owners of how much effort and time they really put into them doing this right and making sure like everything they do is in accordance to the fans and to the players. And like, I personally believe it'd be incredibly selfish of me if I showed up and gave just a half-ass effort, you know? And I, I find that, I owe it to those people because I'm not sure if you know, I wasn't necessarily supposed to play for Sylvan Lake <laughs> when I, I first got there. I was only on a 10 day contract and uh, through a fortunate series of events, I ended up staying whole year and as well as like playing quite well for them and getting asked to come back the following year. And I, I find I was so lucky to get that experience and I was so lucky just to be there that I owe it to Chatty, I owe it to Graham, Jen, Nikhil, everyone, the fans, that I got to show up and give my best every single day. And as, as well as the the kids and, and the people who look up to you, you know, and I I always find it so surreal because, like, in my eyes, I'm just a nobody. Like, I'm literally some guy, you know, and, and to some kids that I'm I'm a role model to them. And I think that I need to show up and give my best effort and give my best face every single day just so I can be a good leader and a good role model for these kids and for the community. And I, and like they've done nothing but great things for me and my family and like everything. So I, yeah, I just love to show up and compete for them and, and ideally bring back a championship one day. And obviously you fell a little bit short of that this year, another epic series against the Okotoks Dogs. And it's pretty clear to me anyways that the rivalry with the Dogs, albeit short, is really there. How fun is it to be at field level in the dugout uh, with this rivalry that's been budding for a couple of years now? It's something that you can't really put into words, if I'm being honest. (laughs) It's... I feel like, especially for me being like a hometown guy, and it, it definitely stems deeper than what it is. I find that uh, it's just we going into the series. You always know it's a big series, and being able it's always back to that old saying: if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. You know what I mean? And I think there's something in playing the best level of competition that brings out who you are as a competitor and who you are as an athlete and I think that it's such an incredible atmosphere that like on both sides like everyone's chirping and everyone is just giving it their best and like there's true emotion that comes into those games and I and it's like I said it's something I can't necessarily really put into words but it is 
Stall was such a great series, and like I love playing Okotoks, and I love beating Okotoks even more. So yeah, it's, yeah. So when you look back on this last year and even the year prior, and then now you look ahead to this coming 2024 summer season, what do you think it's going to take to overtake Okotoks? Uh, I think we just got to play our game. You know, at the end of the day, I don't necessarily think that Okotoks ever beat us. I know that's going to be a controversial <laughs> statement through through my friends on the team, but I, I, I know quite a few of those players and like, I'm quite close with all the Dogs players. So shout out Brendan Luther and, and all the boys. You guys are great dudes. But I do necessarily think that we – never play to our fullest potential against them and like there there are times where we do and the scores speak for themselves but i definitely looking back on all the games there are times where we just give up a run at the wrong time bobble a ball like untimely hitting and i, I think we psych ourselves out given how big the moment is and i think it's just we play to our fullest potential. There's no doubt in my mind that we could be WCBL champions. Oh, I can't wait for 2024 already, man. I just, I got this feeling <laughs> about it, but, uh, you and me both. Let's look back a little bit here. You and I were chatting off air about this. Last time we had you on was in like the infancy of this podcast. Episode five, you were fresh off being named the Alberta midget AAA player of the year in your eyes, being that it was five years ago. How far have you come since that point? I think I've grown a substantial amount. I think I've grown mentally, physically, like spiritually, everything. I, I think that uh, it was uh, a good year that I have. But I, like when you're young and you're 18, you think you know everything. And then you, you get to college baseball and you come to realize you don't really know anything at all. And I think that, yeah, there's just been a huge level of growth and I think it's neat that you mentioned that because I remember me and my mom having a conversation before we drove down the, to Bismarck and it was after the WCBL season we were just kind of sitting there chatting and, and she was asking me she's like do you notice that like you feel like you've gotten better like every year that you're playing and, and I really noticed that especially this year moreover that like maturity in my approach and then how I take failure and how I go about my daily business and what I need to do and I think it, it comes from an understanding of yourself and I think it comes through failure you know and I I am I remember my first year here at Mary I definitely had my struggles and like through the trials and tribulations of baseball and I believe that through those struggles I developed so much uh, I don't even know how to put it I, I just developed more introspective realization of myself if you could put it that is that you I realize like where I'm weak and that's where I need to go from there and like what I need to grow with and I believe that from that time I've grown a substantial amount and I hope to only keep going up as years come on and, and see where this game can take me. Mm. Whether it be as a ball player or as a human being, when you think back on these last five years, what have you learned about yourself in that time? I have learned an incredible amount about myself. <laughs> I've, I've learned, uh, it's, uh, I mean, the list goes on if you got 30 minutes, but if I was to give you a short answer here, I think 
overcoming failure and not letting those little things get to me. I don't think, um, I think that's, uh, the biggest thing as a baseball player and that the maturity level that comes with it is that I used to let a strikeout ruin my day, you know, and mm-hmm. the day at the plate and that can transition into your life. Like if you have a bad morning that might transition into a bad day or a bad day turns into a bad week, month, year, et cetera. And it's, our coach always says, weather the storm. And I have like really found the, like what he means by that, where like a bad day doesn't mean bad life or not letting things compound on top of each other. And, and I, I also think just the other biggest piece of growth is that college baseball. And I guess like the maturation of it is like time management and knowing what you need to do and prioritizing the big things over the small mundane things. Although those are important, but I, I believe that you got to recognize what is most important in your life and like what you, your priorities are. And if you want to make it somewhere and you want to do something with whatever endeavor that you're in, you got to prioritize the biggest parts of your life. And, and for me right now, that's baseball. And although I am a student athlete and I take my academics very seriously, I know that I need to get my extra hitting sessions in. I need to do my mobility. I got to make sure I'm getting enough sleep at night fueling my body correctly through the intense schedule that we're on and, and prioritizing the big things for the bigger picture, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It segues really well into my next question, and it's to those who are maybe starting out on their baseball journeys here in Alberta or anywhere else they might be listening, and they're looking at you going, hey, I want to follow his path one day. Do you have a piece of advice or words of wisdom for them who are just trying to start out on their journeys and maybe you've got the benefit of that 2020 hindsight now? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have talked to a, a few kids. Like when I go back, I, I've started hitting at the, the Weber Academy. Beautiful facility, by the way, mm-hmm. if you've gotten a chance to go check that out. It's insane. Um, but when I go back and I hit in the winter, I... I get to talk to all these like high school players and, and even at Sylvan and all these kids who are, who look up to not only me, but guys like Cleary and people who have made it in the college baseball world. I, I think the biggest piece of advice, biggest couple pieces of advice I could give is one, get in the weight room. I really regret not doing that at a young age because it is such a foundational piece of baseball. It's just, getting that level of absolute strength that like you see in the major leagues nowadays, everyone's throwing 95, like an 84 mile an hour fastball. isn't going to cut it nowadays. Mm-hmm. And dudes are hitting 500 foot home runs and like everyone's just getting bigger and stronger. So like the earlier that you can get in the weight room and start making those physical adaptations that will only benefit you in the long run. And not only that, I think just getting in the habit of that, will help you for life, you know, maintaining a good level of fitness, maintaining your health, living a long, prosperous life. I think that is so important for not only your physical health, but for your mental health as well. And I think that kind of segues into my next piece is that the mental side of baseball is so much more important than the physical side of baseball. You can have the best swing in the entire world, but if you are a head case, then you will not be able to succeed and that's just the game of baseball like like i said earlier dealing with failure and that's 
honestly been like the biggest contributor to my successes modalities such as meditation yoga like mindfulness all things like that i think that has contributed tenfold to my success and i think if there was anything that you could do just on a daily basis is just like learning how to visualize learning how to be a viewer of your thoughts and not just let your emotion overtake you and I think the last biggest thing is just have fun with it, you know? And like now that I'm in my fifth year, I, I realized going back on it, I took it so seriously and I took baseball as my everything, which is, it is a, like a big part of my life, I guess you can say. And without that passion, like you probably won't be as far as you can go, but you got to realize that there are bigger things to life than baseball. Like make sure you are taking care of those around you. Like tell your mom and dad that you love them every day. Be grateful for the little things that come and, and just be happy that you're playing the game. And, and I think that's the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to. And I'm implementing in my life now is that just even going to practice, like the, I, I got friends who are working nine to fives every single day at my age and I'm 22 years old, still playing baseball, like just having fun <laughs> with it, you know? And, and I got to, recognize how lucky and how blessed I am just for this opportunity to be able to do the thing that I love each and every single day and, and just take every moment as it comes and, and be grateful for it. So yeah, that's kind of my biggest pieces of advice. And if you need any uh, proof of what Ben is talking about, all you need to do is check out his Instagram because whether he's showing off what he's doing in the <laughs> weight room on his stories or even some of the posts and some of the fun he's having, the, the duds that you rocked in the walk-up photos with gulls during the summer, man, oh man, you enveloped all of the fun and living in the moment. So kudos to you on that. Uh, final question for you here, Ben, before we let you go. It's one we ask everyone, and we didn't get a chance to ask you this back on episode five because it wasn't something that I thought pre-thought of before then uh, at that point. What does the game of baseball mean to you? Oh, game of baseball. Wow, what a loaded question to hit <laughs> with. I, I think the game of baseball to me means family. I think I've met the greatest my best friends, the people who are going to be at my wedding, it is run through my blood, run through, like, as you know, my great-grandpa's in the Saskatchewan uh, Sports Hall of Fame mm. for baseball. And I, I think it means family to me. I think um, I've been able to make an impact on other people's lives. And in turn, people have made such a great impact on my life through the game of baseball. And I think it's given me an outlet to travel and see the world and go places that I never thought I would ever see in my entire life, like living in North Dakota or driving through Wyoming. I never thought I would do that, but here I am. Very <laughs> and cool. I, yeah, I, I would say it means family to me because, uh, yeah, I've met the best people I've ever met in my entire life, and I've, I've made friends for life through this game. It's been fantastic getting to watch your journey over the last five years or so when we first got to chat with you. And always glad to catch up again. Can't wait to to do it again before too long here, Ben. Congrats on all the success you've had at this point. Continued success going forward. And thanks again for joining us here on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It was a blast. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to it.
Finally, speaking of catching up, it's been a while since we chatted with Josh Bergman, a fifth-round pick of the Chicago Cubs in the 2019 MLB Draft. The Vauxhall Academy of Baseball product had his pro baseball journey come to a halt due to injury and the pandemic after a stellar post-secondary career at the University of Washington. He decided to head to the front office in both hockey and baseball, serving as the pitching coach of the Lethbridge Bulls this summer, and he's also the head scout and director of player personnel for the BCHL's Nanaimo Clippers. Josh, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining us again. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me on here, Joe. It's been a long, long time since we last chatted on the podcast. I had to actually look back. It's been over 200 episodes. Episode 36 was the last time you'd appeared a few episodes before. You'd just been drafted by the Chicago Cubs, and life has certainly changed since that day back in 2019. You're now the head scout and director of player personnel with the BCHL's Nanaimo Clippers. First off, how did that opportunity all come about? Yeah, so I was actually down in Arizona at the time in tw- early part of 2021, um, and I was down there. I was dealing with a little bit of a, you know, an injury at the time, which I thought was a little bit of an injury at the time. But um, you know, I reached out to them. Um, it was actually my wife that encouraged me because I wasn't doing much. You know, obviously it was mainly just go to the field, do your thing for a couple hours a day, and then come back to the hotel. And then you know, I'd be in my hotel by myself and just hanging out you know, wanted something to do to kind of break up some of that time. And, um, you know, I was a hockey player growing up. I always had a ton of interest in the game of hockey. And, um, you know, I always wanted to to get into the hockey operation side if I ever stopped playing the game. So I ended up emailing the uh, the assistant coach that was there at the time, who's now the head coach and GM. Um, and I reached out and just was interested in helping them from the scouting perspective a little bit. I I watched some tournaments, you know, guys that they might be interested in terms of recruits. I sent in some reports and they uh, liked what I what I had to say and, you know, always want they always want extra help from the scouting perspective and at that time, you know, there wasn't much in terms of going into rinks, so it was all just watching over video and all that stuff. So it was actually something that it was was uh something I was really, you know, intrigued by and and, you know, I, I took a job with them and, you know, it uh, kind of just kept progressing from there. Um, in about a short, you know, few months, I I had the title of, you know, one of their head scouts or the head scout. Um, the recent title of director of player personnel has been, you know, added on here recently. But, you know, I've been working with them now for, I guess, well, it's almost coming up on three years here now. And um, I've been enjoying it. I, I really like it. Um, and, you know, I always said to myself, I wanted to get back in the game of hockey, you know, if I stopped playing baseball and it was something that, you know, was a pretty easy choice and easy decision. And, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I've been really enjoying the job. I love going to the rinks and, you know, go out watching hockey. It's something, you know, I really like to do. And, um, so yeah, no, it's, it's been, it's been great. Has hockey ops always been in your toolbox or is that something you start dreaming up when you were in college? Because I seem to remember you being like a communications major and maybe looking at sports journalism at one point. Yeah, that was something I thought about potentially. Um, I kind of went into university, kind of open-minded about what I was going to do. I didn't end up going into the communication side. I ended up looking at the psychology side of things, took a couple courses in that. Um, ended up not going that route. I ended up actually going into the education side of things. Okay. Um, I obviously, you know, playing pro ball, I didn't end up finishing my degree. Um, I'm still to, to be determined whether I'm going to go back and finish that degree. But, 
Um, yeah, no hockey from the hockey offside. It was something that I always, uh, you know, was very intrigued by, you know, I was, I'm always been a hockey nerd. Um, always followed the game, you know, love, you know, analytics, statistics, you know, all that kind of stuff from the hockey side of things. Um, so yeah, it's always something that I've, that I've followed, you know, I've seen, you know, kids that I played with, you know, at my age, um, that went on to go play, you know, went to different routes, right. I've seen guys that have went, you know, went and played in the BCHL and went on to have good college careers at, you know, the NCAA division one hockey level. And then also guys that, you know, went to the Western hockey league and, you know, went on to, to pro hockey and, you know, some playing in the NHL now. So, um, yeah, it's just something that I've always been passionate about. Um, you know, building and recruiting is something that, you know, I'm really intrigued by and creating those relationships with these kids that, you know, have big aspirations of playing division one hockey. Cause that's, you know, the main goal for the BCHL is to, to move guys on to the NCAA division one level. And, um, you know, it's awesome. You know, I get to talk with all different kinds of kids that come from, you know, different parts of, you know, North America. And now obviously with the new rules in the BCHL kids that come over from Europe too, as well. So it's, uh, it's a pretty cool job and, you know, get like I said, get to talk to all different types of kids and, you know, different walks of life. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, it's definitely something that, you know, I've really thoroughly enjoyed, you know, since I've taken the job. Very cool. So give us a scouting report on the Clippers right now. What kind of team are you icing this year and what's your expectation heading into the season? Yeah, no, we have a really, really good team. I think, you know, we're a little bit on the younger side. We have, didn't have as many, um, you know, returning players, but we, now with the BCHL leaving Hockey Canada, we were free to sign kids from any junior A league. So we did um, sign a few kids to bring in a little bit of experience to our club. Um, you know, we really like our team. I think, you know, we we have a lot of, you know, I think we're going to score by committee. We don't have, you know, that one, you know, superstar offensive player that's going to, you know, light up the league in terms of in terms of numbers. I think we have a lot of, you know, parts to, to a puzzle that we really, really like and, um yeah, I think the expectation with, with our group and in Nanaimo over, you know, always is the longstanding is that, you know, we're a winning organization and that's not changing this year. It's not going to change next year or in the future. Um, you know, we put together uh, together a team and, you know, we want to win a championship every year. But, you know, we understand at the same time it's about developing these kids um, both on the ice but also off the ice and make sure that they're getting the exposure they need, you know, to the div- Division One level and, um, we're really excited about the group we have, not only, you know, the group that we have this year and the potential players that we could have coming back next year, but, um, yeah, we're really excited about the group this year and, you know, expect, you know, another championship run this year. Very cool. Now, speaking of hockey, the NHL season also got underway last night as we record this Chicago taking on Pittsburgh, a bit of a passing of the torch, so to speak with Connor Bedard facing yeah. off against Sidney Crosby right off the bat. Uh, any yep. bold predictions you want to share with us? Yeah, I mean, I fully expect him to have, you know, a pretty big year. I know going from junior to to the NHL level is definitely a tough adjustment. Um, I think in terms of what he's going to do this year, I think he's going to pick his teeth on the power play because of the way that he shoots the puck and thinks the game. Um, obviously, like any young player, the adjustment to five-on-five five is going to be a little bit more difficult with the physicality and the speed and all that. Um, but I really believe, you know, he's a special talent. He's going to he's going to be a great player in the league for a long, long time. And I, you know, see him scoring 60 goals here sooner rather than later. So, um, but yeah, no, in terms of the, in terms of the NHL, I'm really excited. I'm a Canucks fan, you know, at heart, obviously being a BC boy and being an Island kid. Um, so I'm really excited to watch them this year. They made a lot of moves over, 
the off season that are, are pretty intriguing. Um, but you know, it's, it's the Canucks. So sometimes, you know, it goes good and sometimes it doesn't. So, um, so we'll see. Uh, it, it, it's going to be a great year. I, I love watching the NHL. It's, in my opinion, it's one of the best, you know, professional sports leagues that you can watch. And it's so entertaining, especially when it comes playoff time. So, no, I'm really excited for this year and and, uh, and what's to come for the NHL season. If you had to put down a $5 wager on a team right now, who's winning the Stanley Cup? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, honestly, like, you know, I, I, I think at some point here, the Oilers got to take it they got to take that next step and become a like Stanley cup contender. And I think they were last year, but I think going through it a little bit now, I, I like their mix. I like what they have. Um, you know, it sucks being a Canucks fan to say this, but um, no, I, I, I honestly could see them potentially winning the cup this year. And, and I think that'd be great for them, you know, going through the years that they had and all the number one draft picks and all this stuff. And, you know, for McDavid and dry side and all those guys that are there, I think it would be, you know, pretty special for them. So, um, yeah, honestly, if I had to put a $5 bet down, I would say the Oilers, you know, I think they're going to, if Jack Campbell can bounce back, they'll have a good goaltending duo there. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to watch them play this year. I feel your pain as a Flames fan, although I'm sure our Ian Wilson will be really happy with your prediction just based on the fact that he's a long-time <laughs> yeah. Oilers fan. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Moving on a little bit, this is a baseball podcast after all, so let's get into yeah. that a little yeah. bit. You haven't abandoned the game. You were the pitching coach of the Lethbridge Bulls this summer. Let's talk about that and, the, and Vauxhall you, you were coaching at as well. That's how you got into that side of the game. How important was it for you to stay connected in the game after you left? Yeah, no, I think it was very important for me. I, I still love the game of baseball. I still really enjoy the coaching aspect of it too. So I think, you know, for me, it was something that I wanted to, to be able to share my experiences with these kids. Um, you know, obviously coaching at Vauxhall after I was done done playing was, was really important to share some of my, like I said, experiences of the highs and lows. Um, you know, I've been through the highs of the highs and the lows of the lows. So it was it was important for me to to have those kids understand um, that you got to kind of stay that even keel and not get too too high and too low. So um, yeah, no, I know it's been really important to give back and and make sure that you know I'm doing the best I can to make sure that the next generation of baseball players, you know, are going to be you know the best versions of themselves and. I want to, I want to help with that. So, and it, it was a really cool experience this summer with the bulls, obviously, uh, you know, a little bit of a different change of pace, um, going from the high school level to, to the collegiate level, um, which I really thoroughly enjoyed. Um, just the level of, of thinking of the game is different. And, you know, I went through it um, from the collegiate level playing myself and then, you know, but I haven't been around, you know, that high level uh, of baseball in, in a little bit. And, and I really enjoyed that. And, you know, I'm hoping to, to continue to do that this summer. And it looks like that's going to happen and get to coach there this summer again. So I'm really excited for that. You also got a chance, uh, front row seat, to see a, a perfect game or near perfect game with Javier de Alejandro. Uh, walk us through that outing from your perspective and what you saw from what he was dealing. Yeah, no, it was exceptional. I told Javi after the game, I said, you know, I've been around some amazing pitching performances. I've seen a perfect game. I've, I've witnessed a perfect game. And, you know, that was, if not, you know, better or right up there in terms of, you know, the, the performance. He was just totally dialed in and complete control 100% the entire game. You could kind of see it. I, you know, I was in the bullpen with him before the game, and you could see he was, he was just dialed in. Like, there, everything was 
you know, perfectly hit to a spot. And, you know, I, I, I kind of said it to our guys. I said he threw an exceptional bullpen. A lot of times it works, you know, it could work in different ways in baseball. Some guys starting pitchers, they throw the best bullpen in their life. And then they come in the game and throw their worst games and vice versa. You throw a bad one and a bad bullpen. And then you come in the game and you're, you're exceptional during the game. But, you know, he was, yeah, like I said, dialed in from pitch one to however many he threw, like pitch, I don't know what it was, 105 or whatever. Something like that. Yeah. yeah, he was just in complete control, and it was just utter dominance from, like I said, pitch one to 105. So mm. it was it was exceptional. It was it was one of the best performances I've seen personally myself live. Mm. You threw your your share of great performances as well. It's been, as you mentioned, a whirlwind over the last three, four, five years here. Let's talk about the decision to hang him up. You get drafted in 2019. Things are going well, and then the pandemic hits. Talk us through that and then the subsequent challenges that lied ahead for your baseball journey. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously the pandemic was hard on everybody. Um, you know, we were getting ready for, for spring training and getting geared up to, to go for spring training. And, um, you know, it, it hits and we were told to head home and that it might be a couple weeks, it might be a month, but we were, everybody was kind of staying ready to, to play once again that year. Right. So, um, so I headed home and, you know, kind of as the year went on and on and on, you know, I, I, it wasn't really looking like anything was going to happen or things were going to change. And obviously that year got ripped away from everybody. So, um, you know, that was more difficult to be able to have that realization that, okay, I'm taking another year, another step back, um, you know, another year away from reaching my goal of playing in the big leagues, which was, which was difficult, obviously. Um, but then 2021 rolls around. I'm really excited. Um, everybody's excited, um, to get going again. And I was, uh, you know, gearing up for the season and feeling good. Uh, you know, Velo was, Velo was up and I was feeling strong and, and, uh, ready to go for the year. And, um, I start throwing in live BPs right before, you know, we were about to get into games for spring training and I start to have a little bit of a shoulder flare up and it kind of just, you know, lingered and kept going on. The minor league season started and I stayed back in Arizona and couldn't figure out kind of what was going on. Tried to do just rest and recovery and rehab first. Um, that didn't end up working. Um, and then I would uh, do the, I did end up doing a cortisone shot and then recover from that. And that didn't end up working. And, you know, the most frustrating part was I, you know, got back into throwing shape. And as soon as I was about to get back on the mound, that's when my pain started to come back on my shoulder. Um, eventually it got to the point where we kind of, you know, ran, came to the conclusion that I needed to, I tried a PRP injection in my shoulder and that effectively ended my season in 2021. Um, which was a very difficult year, not only physically, you know, going through, you know, the highs and lows of, okay, I'm ready and I'm get going and throwing again and feeling good. And then the, the, the sudden low of, okay, the pain comes back. Why does it keep coming back and all that? And then, um, yeah, so I ended up having the PRP, um, very difficult as well. Mentally, like I said, um, you know, very hard on, you know, not being able to see, you know, my family, not being able to see my wife um, was also very difficult being away from home, um, you know, for, for eight months in the 45 degree weather down in Arizona and was, you know, it took a toll on me, um, you know, and, and probably reached the, the lowest point of my life, uh, honestly, uh, Joe, to be honest with you. And it was, it was very difficult for me to come out of that. Um, but I ended, like I said, I ended up having this PRP injection, 
Um, I came home, which, you know, was nice and did all my full rehab, was able to kind of feel like I got a reset a little bit. Um, and then I started, uh, uh, throwing once again, getting ready for the season, ramping up and kind of, as I was ready to up my intensity and my throwing kind of in the early part of January, mid January, um, the pain started to come back in my shoulder in early part of 2022. And then I, uh, ended up, you know, telling the Cubs and they flew me down to Arizona and ended up having an MRI, um, this time with like the dye, which makes the picture a little clearer. And sure enough, in my shoulder, there's a, a labrum tear, um, that I needed to have fixed. And there was really no other option other than to have the surgery. So at that point it was, you know, it was, it was kind of decision time about, you know, where life was going to go for me. Um, what did I want to endure? you know, from a mental perspective, you know, physically, I felt like I could come back and, and, and pitch again, but it was, you know, I had family back home and, you know, life as a minor league baseball player isn't the easiest lifestyle. And whether I wanted to go through that, you know, again, and be down in Arizona again for a full year rehabbing, because it would have been another full year to come back from the labrum tear. And, um, so I ended up deciding to, to retire and, um, you know, I have no regrets, you know, obviously I love the game, uh, I love what, you know, the game gave me personally, I got to travel around the world. Um, you know, I got to play against some of the, you know, the greatest players and players that you see on TV now today playing the postseason, like Adley Rutschman and, uh, those types of guys. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm grateful for my time that I played and, and like I said, I wouldn't change anything about my playing career and, and I wouldn't change anything about my decision that I made now. I'm really happy about where I am in life. I, you know, bought a house six months ago and, you know, live in Lethbridge and, you know, really enjoy um, life right now, of you know, coaching the Bulls and, you know, scouting. And I'm an advisor for a, a hockey co- a company down in the U.S. at a base out of Minnesota as a consultant. So I have, you know, my own clients that I help and, and try to have them pursue their dreams of junior A hockey and then uh, onto the NCAA level as well. So, um, yeah, so I really enjoy, I really enjoy where I'm at right now in life. Mm-hmm. Very cool to hear. It's been a cra- a crazy journey. Looking back on it, you mentioned the the mental side of things. How did you get through some of that challenge? Because as you mentioned, the physical side is one thing; it's another on the mental side. Do you lean on anyone in particular? Do you you go through some of those um, those practices and things that you you learned when you're going through the college philosophy side of things? Like, what was it that that helped you get through? Yeah, I think it was a lot of, you know, the people in my inner circle, um, obviously, you know, being able to, you know, I wasn't able to see some of these people every single day, but the, you know, the beauty of technology and be able to FaceTime and do all those sorts of things was definitely something that obviously helped me, you know, being able to talk to my wife on a daily basis really helped and be able to talk to my family and um, the people that I really trusted, you know, former coaches and, and have them, you know, to lean on and, and, and be able to go through those things. And as well as the, you know, the players that were in the organization at the time that were going through injuries as well, like they were going through the same thing I was. Right. So um, be able to go in there and chat with those guys every single day and be able to share stories and, and just, you know, kind of keep it light um, was something that was, was nice as well. But yeah, just being able to, to lean on the people in my inner circle, my family. And, and um, yeah, that was something that really helped me kind of get through and, you know, it obviously came to the decision that I did. And um, like I said, I couldn't be couldn't be in a better spot right now in my life going from, you know, one of the worst spots I've been to now really, really happy and excited about the future and what's what's to come. 
Let's talk about that future for a second. Do you see yourself getting back into the baseball coaching or management side at some point down the line? Or do you think hockey is going to be the game? Yeah, I mean, I'm a, you know, I, I really enjoy what I'm doing now with the, on the advising side and helping kids and really like doing that and helping them. Um, it's something, you know, like I said, I tell my guys all the time, I had an agent uh, advisor growing up through baseball and um, he really helped me profoundly, um, you know, not only on the field, but off the field as well with everything. And I, I, I wanted to bring that into the, into the hockey circle. Um, so yeah, no, I really enjoy that. Um, I, I'm kind of just living in the, in the present right now with that and seeing where, that's going to take me who knows where that's going to lead down the road. Um, but just really enjoying that right now. Obviously, like I said, I want to continue to do the bulls in the summer. You know, it's kind of nice. It's broken up into two seasons for me. Um, you know, with the hockey in the winter and spring, and then there's a little bit of downtime in the summer where I can do the coaching with the bulls and I'm not too overextended. Um, I've also, you know, accepted a job to go help at the Prairie baseball Academy here in Lethbridge. Um, so I've been helping them too. And, um, they understand, you know, my commitment to the hockey side of things as well, but, you know, I'm still helping them, you know, with their pitchers and, and all their players and, and all that stuff. So uh, I'm really enjoying that too, my first year there. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see where it goes from the, uh, I think, you know, right now I'm, I really love what I'm doing from the hockey side and, you know, I kind of, like I said, get kind of the balance of the best of both worlds right now. And, you know, who knows where that's going to, where that's going to lead. But, you know, right now in the present, I'm, I'm just really enjoying, you know, what I'm doing from the hockey and the baseball side. So it's been great. Very cool. A couple final questions for you here. One has to do, especially with that piece, whether you're coaching at Vauxhall or with PBA or with the Bulls, or you're talking to the young kids getting in there in the hockey sphere. Do you have advice or words of wisdom for them in terms of, you know, taking advantage of the opportunities presented to them or things that you learned along the way that you'd like to impart on them? Yeah, I think it's just mainly about the the work ethic from a day in day out perspective is not to, you know, try to keep everything in, you know, the short minded view. Um, sometimes kids can get lost in, you know, the big picture a little bit, obviously at the end of the day, we, you know, you have a, you know, have a goal that you want to reach, but it's all about what are you going to do in that moment or on that day to get to that goal. So I try to make sure that kids understand that and try to keep everything in perspective and keep everything in a smaller, you know, window and a smaller view so that they're not getting too ahead of themselves and they're not getting too, you know, either high or low disappointed or over the moon excited about everything, right. It's about keeping everything in perspective and making sure that, you know, they're doing the work from, you know, a day-to-day perspective to get to that goal. Um, it's not about, you know, it's about how you're going to get there not about, you know, getting there. Um, so that's something I like to, to make sure everybody knows and whether it's, you know, from, any sport it's it should be that should be um something that's that it should be achieved for is the small goals to reach the big goal um keep everything kind of small right now and get to the big picture later so yeah that's something i try to make sure everybody knows absolutely love it the final question is one we ask everyone it started after our last chat so this will be the first time you get to hear this question what does the game of baseball mean to you um it means a lot you know it's it's um, you know, it's brought me so many different places. It's brought me to, you know, so many different experiences, different journeys. You know, I've represented my country. I've, you know, played, you know, at one of the premier Pac-12, you know, Division One conferences of the University of Washington. 
it's brought me to one of the premier high school academies in all of Canada. You know, I, I, I truly, if I didn't play the game of baseball, I wouldn't have met, you know, the love of my life. I, I, I met her at, at Vauxhall and, you know, we were high school sweethearts. And, um, so I, I have a lot of gr- gratuity for the game. Um, it's like I said, it's, it's taught me so many different things in life and how to handle adversity, how to handle failure, how to handle success and just be grounded through all those things. Um, so yeah, that's the, the game of baseball has given me so much. And like I said before, I, I feel like I owe it to give a, give some back. And, you know, I feel like I I'm doing that. And, um, and I think, yeah, gratuity is just the, the word, I'm just very grateful about everything that the game has given me. And we are certainly grateful for all the time that you've been able to give us over the course of not just this conversation, but also being able to keep in touch over the years, watching your, your journey unfold as it has, Josh. Really appreciate the catch-up. Congratulations on the new journey, continued success going forward in it and beyond. And again, thank you so much again for joining us here on the podcast. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Joe, for having me. You guys are doing an awesome job of promoting baseball in Alberta and all of Canada. I just want to say that, and you guys do. You guys just do a fantastic job. So um, keep doing what you guys are doing because everybody really enjoys your guys' content. Thanks again to Leo Cote, Ben Prediger, and Josh Bergman for joining us this week. And thanks to all of you for downloading and listening. If you like this or any other episode, be sure to leave us a rating and review as those actions help spread the word about ADS. A massive tip of the cap as well to our Platinum supporters for all they do for us and for baseball in Alberta. The Yoketokes Dogs and AHP Academy have been integral in helping us tell the game stories in our province. For more on our sponsors, head to albertadugoutstories.com slash supporters. Until next time, thank you for all of your support online, on social, and on air of Alberta Dugout Stories.